This is Small Business as Usual, a program about the art of operating small enterprises and the issues faced by the owners. It's a presentation of the Community Economic Development Fund in Meriden, Connecticut. I'm Frederick Welk, a business advisor for CEDF clients. The Community Economic Development Fund is a nonprofit lender providing financing to qualified small businesses in Connecticut that can't obtain traditional bank financing. More about CEDF at the end of the program. This episode is about networking. <laughs> Business networking must be as old as trade itself. For instance, if you wanted to meet a napper who could make you a custom arrowhead for mammoth hunting and all you had was a pretty kind of shell, a warm introduction to the right members of the tribe over the hill would be indispensable, maybe even life-saving. But as a buzzword, networking is said not to have emerged until the 1950s, although I wonder if the old boys network was in use long before. But as business networks have slowly opened up to those long excluded, the value of business relationships has been again emphasized as a real key to achieving success. The arrival of the internet served as a disruptor. Once, information that you could only learn by referral was now available online. This served to shortcut the old ways of building business relationships. And for those who spend too much time in front of a screen, it can, ironically, be kind of isolating. Local business owners, especially those with retail trade, might believe that they do plenty of networking over the counter, and there's some truth to that, but it remains there's no substitute for meeting people who can help you in an environment where there's no overt selling going on. To find an expert, I didn't have to look any farther than the well-known kind of institution that actually dates to before the revolution here in America, our local Chamber of Commerce. My name is Sean Moore, I'm president of the Mid-State Chamber of Commerce. I've been here for about going on 20 years right now. The uh, Chamber is an organization founded in 1896, so we've been around for a long time. We have uh, over 550 members who represent uh, literally thousands of employees and colleagues and associates in those uh, businesses. We are very interested in improving our businesses as well as very interested in improving the communities that we exist in. I think it's important first to recognize the value of networking and more specifically the value of a network, okay? To be connected with um, folks who will do business with you is, is certainly one aspect of networking. Beyond that, the ability to use someone else's network of people who you do not know who can then refer business or employees or services back to you. That's when the value of a network is it's actually explosive. So if you can recognize that, then we encourage folks to strategically make networking part of the business that they do. We have some of our, what I would call, power networkers who, uh, when they receive the, the chamber calendar or happen to be on the chamber website, they'll actually pull out their calendar and put a series of events into their calendar. Now, they're not necessarily promising that they can make all of them, but they certainly are kind of keeping it top of mind 
so they can plan around that activity so they can then go out and visit with our chamber members. I asked Sean how many events and what kind of time investment was required to pursue effective networking and to describe what he sees as the best techniques. There is no magic number, I am afraid. Uh, it is a function of, of the time available to go out and network. You know, we have one of our chamber uh, hair salons is a group of very skilled networkers. And in the hair salon business, as you may know, sometimes a particular stylist is not booked. Perfect opportunity for that stylist to maximize the value of their own time by going out and networking. It's really important that they be as proactive as they can on the job. And they are constantly in that business looking for new prospects, looking for new customers, looking for new talent as well. So it's important to network there. Within our membership, we do have quite a number of what I would call master networkers. These are folks who have done this for a long time. These are folks who actually will uh, make statements like 70% of my business comes from simply networking and being out there in front of people. Some of the techniques are, are quite simple. That is to say, you always have business cards. You always pass out business cards and you always ask for business cards. Okay, we have, so with that card, you then have a, have a tool and depending on how many people you meet at a particular event, you may need to use the back of that card to write down a business note or two as far as why you should or should not follow up with that particular individual based on the value of your own time. Additionally, we have some, you know, master networker trade secrets where their left pocket is the I'm keeping these cards pocket and their right pocket is maybe not so much. So most efficiently, they can kind of pre-file their work, and when they get back to their office the next day or during the next week, they can follow up on the right pocket items and uh, perhaps do a little bit less with the, those on the left pocket. While that is a, an interesting technique, I personally keep each and every card I've ever collected because you don't know when you're going to need them. That, that's part of the science of networking. I may pick up a card from a pool company, for example. I don't happen to own a pool, but when someone calls up and is interested in a pool company, I can then refer to that pool company because I have the information available to me right now. That sets up a unique relationship between the pool company and I because I'm referring to them, someone that they is not in their network, and that truly is the power of networking. And in some ways, they kind of would like to repay that favor. So perhaps they could refer someone back at some point in time. So, you know, that's when I think networking is the most powerful. Some people are naturals at networking. I guess they're probably extroverts. And there are those who aren't that comfortable in these situations and who probably see networking events as a kind of a replay of the dreaded high school dance. I asked Sean for his advice. You know, there are a good number of networkers who are, or networkers to be, I would say, who are a little uncomfortable in that position. And the first thing I suggest is simply relax, okay? There are no rules. As I often say, no one has your script, so no one knows if you're going off script. So just kind of go with the flow. One of the worst things someone can do in a networking situation is take out their canned elevator speech and deliver it as written. And I say that because this is a very conversational experience, okay, as you're talking, which is part of the value, certainly, you're also listening. And that listening component tells you what are the important elements 
of your business to lead with, and that really helps to very efficiently use your time. I'll also tell to the, the newer networkers that you're probably not going to sell anything in a networking event, so kind of immediately take that pressure off of yourself. You're really trying to get to know people, and people have other facets besides just their exclusive business facet. You may have kids who have sports in common. You may have a hobby that you both share. There's a whole bunch of ways to make connections with people to expand the network. So I would encourage just to lead with yourself. Just be very, very comfortable and enjoy the time. Unless you're showing up with a, a box of pens trying to sell pens, you shouldn't expect to be selling at a networking event, okay? It really is a fairly short introductory experience, and then you make the decision or make the ask thereafter. So we're having a lovely conversation, and I, in my brain I say, you know, there's some value in having an extended conversation. I will ask, you know, can we meet next week? Can I take you out for a cup of coffee? Can we get together and explore this more? You need to make the ask. And it's a very comfortable, friendly ask. But at that point, you're then deciding that your time is valuable to be spent with someone you've had a conversation with. You know, my mom said that appearance matters. And I'd say about 75% of that is true. And what I mean by that is appearance is quite candidly very situational. If you are having a conversation with a with a group of factory workers or a group of farmers, they may appear a little bit different than a group of business executives. And uh, you with the tie may appear to be a little out of sync. And, you know, quite frankly, if you're around heavy machinery, you may even be a, a safety hazard. So while appearance is important, I think it's a little less than it used to be back in the day. But uh, if you are a high-powered business executive and your your company mandates that you wear a white shirt and a gray suit and a red tie, then you do. I'll also tell you, you know, a lot of companies now have what we affectionately call logo wear, okay? And logo wear is an interesting way to get your business name out there. Even those who you are not networking with will know who you are and where you come from, and you're somewhat branding your logo into their iris so as they remember your company thereafter. So logo wear is also a nice way to dress down the white shirt and the red tie into something a little more comfortable, a little more generic for different audiences. I mean, certainly the 15-second oral business card or the elevator pitch is an important tool. I think it's a good exercise for every business to go through to really capsulize their business into as few words as possible. It causes you to focus. However, again, there's two parts of networking. There's, there's the speaking portion, and then there's the listening portion. It's amazing how much you can pick up when you're listening for clues. So, you know, by example, in, in our chamber, we have four pillars, which are promotion, education, networking, and leadership. I know that there are some businesses who are interested or not interested in some of those pillars. It is the best use of my time not to incorporate all of them into my elevator pitch, but if I hear someone who says, you know, I'm, I just can't get in touch with enough people on a regular basis, I can't seem to make enough contacts, networking clearly is the piece 
that I will incorporate into my elevator pitch for a particular person. If someone says, I just can't seem to get the visibility to rise above all my competitors, then perhaps promotion is the pillar that I would tend to lean with and incorporate into my elevator pitch. It's functionally the same speech, but based on what I've heard earlier, I would then kind of tweak that. The first technique I would say in networking is to be very comfortable and to be very conversational. You know, this is really a give and take. It's not, I give my 15 second pitch, you give your 15 second pitch and then we walk away. No, 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 no. It is much, much, much more conversational. It often begins with something like, hi, how are you? Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? You know, how long have you been there? And each of those questions are information. If you say, how long have you been in your business? And someone says eight days, it's different than saying eight years. To me, that means something different. If I hear eight days, I might follow up with saying, well, is this your eight days at this company or have you been in this industry for a while? It helps me better understand the level of expertise that I may want to be dealing with. So really, it's, I think it's more listening uh, and then responding to that that you've heard. That really, I think, makes a very valuable networking experience. Knowing how to start a networking opportunity is only part of the technique. Knowing how much time to invest in the conversation is the other part of the art. I asked Sean for his guidelines. It's funny you talk about networking guidelines. I'm a big fan of the Pirate of the Caribbean movie series, and they talk about the Pirate's Code, which is really more of a guideline. Okay, it's not an actual rule, not an actual law. So 10 minutes, I think, is a, is a pretty good guideline. Truly, it is a function of the value you believe you've received on the first few minutes. Maybe 10 minutes is too much of your time. Slice it to five, you can meet twice the number of people, have twice the experience. I'm every day mystified at the general lack of follow-up after a, a networking event. And I say that because you've invested your time and you expect a return. And if you expect that, people would automatically just start calling you. I think that's a fairly unfair expectation. It's important to be very proactive about your own business. And in the networking event, in that experience, hopefully you've collected a few cards, a few contacts worth following up. And again, following up doesn't necessarily mean a sale. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can predict even when the results will happen. And often I will follow up to someone who I'm as interested in their network as I am interested in that that they do you know talking to a realtor i know that individual has a network of other realtors and appraisers and inspectors and a good number of clients who they work with on a regular basis these are a lot of people who i've never seen or known and that network is important to me if I can get this individual using their network back into mine, then that's truly the power of networking. Many thanks to Sean Moore for sharing his thoughts on business networking. There are 68 chambers of commerce in Connecticut and many other related civic associations and business networking groups. It's all out there on the internet, or you can ask someone to introduce you. Thanks to D.E.N. Key for music and zapsplat.com for sound effects. It really was an elephant. Our theme is by Orchestral Movement of 1932. 
Small Business as Usual is presented by the Community Economic Development Fund, a nonprofit organization which provides enterprises in Connecticut with term loans, lines of credit, and commercial mortgages when they can't get traditional bank financing. For the fifth year in a row, we are Connecticut's top SBA microlender. We make business term loans at very nominal interest rates, as small as a few thousand dollars, and larger business loans too from a pool of loan capital provided by many of the state's leading banks. There are geographic and or income qualification requirements for the borrowers. You can find out more about all of this at CEDF.com. And this episode of Small Business as Usual is available there. It's number 18-8. Hey, Sean. Tell me why it's so important to attend meetings and events. In the words of Woody Allen, 80% of life is showing up. 